slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you here as we start off the month of November. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. We have got a lot to talk about. First things first, uh, we are going now to a three-show-a-week schedule as the offseason has more or less reached its peak. So uh, most weeks, unless uh, I let you know otherwise, it'll be new shows dropping Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and we'll let you know when we resume a a five-day-a-week schedule, probably when we get closer to the start of the next hockey season. We obviously still don't know when that is. We have got a lot to discuss on today's show. We'll try to take a look at the Islanders' goaltending situation, how it will shake out this coming season. We'll also talk about some of the young players that have a chance to make this Islanders lineup. And again, with the team hamstrung by the salary cap, getting some offensive contributions from younger players may indeed be a big key for this team going forward. We also have our Islanders birthday of the day, and a lot more to talk about on today's show. If there's something Islanders-related that's on your mind, feel free to send us an email with a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss. If you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. The email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You can also send us a, a tweet. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes and and everything else. So lots to talk about today on the show. And, And let's start off with a little announcement by the Hockey Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame announcing at the end of last week, Friday... Uh, that there will not be a class of 2021. Now, what ended up happening was the class of 2020 uh, never really got their regular induction because of COVID. So that class now will be inducted as of right now, scheduled for November 5th, uh, 12th to 15th of next year. So hopefully, I mean, wow, I really hope by then, COVID is no longer an issue, but no new class this year uh, from the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, and, you know, Islander fans, not a lot of former Islander candidates out there who are are lacking in Hall of Fame inductions. By the way, uh, those going in with this year's class, 
uh, Marion Hosa, Jerome Nginla, Kevin Lowe, Kim St. Pierre, Doug Wilson, and then in the builders category, Ken Holland. So those are the players and builder going into the Hall of Fame uh, in November of 2021. But this year's Hall of Fame induction ceremony canceled. No class next year uh, or no new additional players added to the class next year. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense when you look at it because you don't really want to crowd the Hall of Fame class with, you know, 10 people being added. Everybody would be rushed. They wouldn't really be able to have that individual moment that someone who is inducted into the Hall of Fame, and that is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and honor, you know, you want them to have all their friends there and all their family there and to truly maximize the moment for that once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, also, by the way, yesterday, November 1st, uh, was would have been Al Arbor's birthday, and uh, we wish him the best. And certainly, you know, if you're looking over the history of coaches in Islanders history, uh, Al Arbor is first, and then you go a long way before anybody can even be mentioned in the same breath. Look, Barry Trotz, for example, has been very successful in his two seasons with the team, won a playoff series last year, got all the way to the conference final this year, but can't yet be mentioned in Islanders history in the same uh, airspace even as Al Arbor. So uh, I had the privilege of meeting Al Arbor a number of times and interviewing him, and he really was a class act, both as a coach and uh, as a person, and, you know, really appreciated the time that he gave me back when I was first starting out, and really also uh, loved the stories that all of his players tell about Arbor when it comes to what he meant to their career and how he helped improve and change the franchise and what he meant to the team in big situations in playoff and Stanley Cup final games. Uh, if you're interested, my book, Ice Wars, uh, talks a lot about that. A, a number of players from both the 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s uh, talked about Al Arbor, what he meant to the team, and, and how he not only helped these people as players on the ice, but what he meant to them in their lives off the ice. So Al Arbor, obviously, uh, one of the biggest, uh, you know, Hall of Fame Islanders of all time and an essential part of Islanders history. And, you know, to me, one statistic that always blew me away, that Arbor took over as head coach of the Islanders in their second season, 1973-74. Now, you got to remember, the Islanders were the worst team in NHL history in their first year. They played 78 games, and they won only 12. The Washington Capitals broke that mark a couple of years later, but at the time, this was the worst record in NHL history. Arbor comes in in the second season, and even though the team didn't make the playoffs, they were no longer hapless, and literally, the Islanders cut down their goals against average their goals against over the course of 78 games, which is how long the season was back then, by 100 goals in that first season 
under Al Arbor because he taught them defense, a system, and discipline. And that, to me, just speaks volumes about the immediate impact that Al Arbor had on the Islanders. When we come back, we'll talk about Ilya Sorokin. What is he going to, what is his role going to be on the Islanders in his first season with the team? We'll also talk about some young players who can make an impact. And we have our Islanders birthday of the day. Lots more to get to on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Folks, if you're like me, you've tried a lot of protein bars, but they don't taste right or or the texture just isn't good. They're difficult to chew. That's never a problem with Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They now come in 18 amazing flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, and they are delicious. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. Look at these new flavors. Caramel brownie, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream, and cherry barcia. Can't go wrong with those, and you add that to toffee almond and salted caramel and peanut butter and mint brownie. So many great flavors to choose from. Let's take a look at one flavor in particular that I am focusing on today, cherry barcia. 17 grams of protein in every bar, just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So, Ilya Sorokin, look, coming to the Islanders, you got to wonder what his role is going to be. And in my mind, I think there's a very, very strong chance that Simeon Varlamov starts the new season as the Islanders' number one goalie. Probably gets, I would say, 60% of the starts, maybe a little bit more early on. And then as the season goes on, assuming Sorokin is playing well, I think you get closer to 50-50. And I think by the end of the season that the Islanders may have a decision to make entering the playoffs, assuming they make it, and they should, uh, you know, who their goalie they're going to go with in the playoffs is. A lot of this is going to depend on a couple of factors. The most obvious is how quickly does Ilya Sorokin adjust to the different dimensions of an NHL rink, not as wide as a KHL or international-sized rink? How does he adjust to living in North America, how does he get along with his teammates, and how well does he play in his rookie year in the NHL? Obviously, he was all-world in the KHL, and now it just becomes a question of how quickly does he adjust. Another factor that I think will be important in figuring out this division as far as the goaltending is concerned is what happens with the schedule. And we still don't know how many games the NHL is going to play, how how they're going to try to squeeze those games in. I get the feeling, even if the NHL is able to start January 1st, which is the target date as of now, that it will take some time uh, you know, before fans are allowed back in the stands because of the difficulty everyone is still having with COVID. And then they're going to try to compress as many games as they can into a shorter window of time. So if they try to play 
let's say, 60 games or 65 games and still finish before the Olympics start, you're going to have a lot more back-to-backs, and the Islanders are going to need a good backup goalie. And that's where Sorokin is going to come in, and maybe he plays more games early on because the schedule is going to feature so many back-to-back games as they try to fit as many games as they can into that limited amount of time that they have to fit them in. So we will look at that and and uh, see how that plays out. We'll know more once the NHL is able to officially tell us what the schedule looks like, but hopefully Sorokin is able to come through and be the player that everybody expects him to be. And the question is, you know, how quickly does he assume that kind of a role? All right, right now it is time for our Islanders' birthday of the day. Uh, we, we talked about Al Arbor, but yesterday was also the 37th birthday of former Islanders left wing Matt Molson. Molson had three consecutive 30-goal seasons for the Islanders starting in 2009-2010 through 2011-2012, the third of those being his most productive, uh, 36 goals and 69 points that year. And, you know, he was on pace for at least a 25-goal season in the uh, lockout shortened 2012-2013 season, ended up leaving the Islanders the following year, went off to Minnesota and Buffalo, and actually Matt Molson still active playing for the Hershey Bears in the AHL last year. He is sort of a uh, a cap victim where, you know, his contract almost forces him to be down in uh, the minor league so that a team has cap relief. We're going to look at one of the better games that Matt Molson had for the Islanders December 3rd, 2009 at the Phillips Arena in Atlanta. Uh, Dwayne Rolison is the Islanders goalie against Andre Pavlik for the Atlanta Thrashers. And it was the Thrashers getting on the board first. Slava Kozlov, his fifth from Brian Little and Todd White at 9.01. That was the only goal of the first period. And it was one to nothing Thrashers. But in the second, Matt Molson gets the Islanders back in the game, scores the tying goal at 147, his 12th of the year from Trent Hunter, and the game was even at one apiece later on in that same period. Uh, with Ansi uh, Salmela in the box for slashing, Matt Molson gets a power play goal, his 13th of the year, second of the game. Trent Hunter and Kyle Oposo with the helpers at 1546 after two periods, Islanders two and the Thrashers one. In the third, Molson strikes again, his 14th from Mark Streit and Kyle Oposo at 1309. John Tavares adds an empty netter from Sean Bergenheim with one second left in the game. Islanders skate away with a four to one win over the Atlanta Thrashers for Matt Molson. He led the team with five shots on goal. He got the hat trick in this one was a plus two. Mark Streit, the only one better. He was a plus three. Trent Hunter and Kyle Loposo each had two assists in this game, while Dwayne Rolison made 26 saves to earn the victory. So one day late, happy 37th birthday to former Islanders winger Matt Molson. He is our Islanders' birthday of the day.
We've got more to talk about on today's show. We'll look at some of the younger prospects who might be a good fit, who could help the Islanders offensively without adding a lot to the salary cap. We'll talk about that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. So you look at this team right now, and look, we've been talking throughout the offseason about how backed up the Islanders are, how their issues with the salary cap have not only prevented them from signing a new badly needed goal scorer and offensive contributor, but you also have a situation where it has prevented the Islanders from even re-signing their own players. Uh, You know, Matt Martin, allegedly ready and, you know, to sign with the team, hasn't signed his deal yet. They had to uh, ship out Devon Taves in a trade that wasn't popular with Islanders fans, no question about that. And, you know, that didn't add, uh, you know, it gave him a little cap relief, but it didn't make the team better on the ice, you know, in and of that move in and of itself. So now the question becomes, if you're the Islanders, and it's going to be difficult to re-sign Barzal, and you still have to re-sign Ryan Pulak, and then you you want to add a little offense to the team, well, you got to count on some younger players, and realistically, you're looking at the third line as the place where those players can contribute. And to me, the two leading candidates, uh, well, maybe three, you have Oliver Wallstrom, Joshua Hosang, and Kiefer Bellows. Not sure about Bellows' status and... You know, he uh, would still have to possibly serve an AHL suspension. We're waiting to hear more about that. But, look, he showed definite signs in his brief call-up of being able to put the puck in the net, scored a couple of goals in the, you know, handful of games that he played for the Islanders. Again, you know, the problem with this idea of having younger players come in and contribute is twofold. Number one is those players need to play in all three zones. And that, I think, is especially an issue for Hosang, who clearly has the talent to play in the National Hockey League, but needs to prove that he can go back and back-check, pick up his man, you know, pass the puck out of the zone in a smart and and the easiest way possible, not going to hold on to the puck too long and turn it over, which he, you know, sometimes is prone to do. Look, as far as Hosang goes, in the juniors and in the minors, there are plays you can make holding on to the puck and lugging it and stick handling through a couple of guys and, you know, uh, making those individual efforts, but in the National Hockey League against adults and against the best hockey players in the world, it is extremely difficult to make those kinds of plays, and more often than not, you turn the puck over. Hosang would have to show, and he's talked about it, but he would have to show he's disciplined enough to play the Barry Trotz system. Wallstrom right now, over in Europe, hoping to, you know, gain more experience and be ready. And I think he is the leading candidate 
out of the three to fill that spot. But the good thing about it is, out of all of those three players, whether it's Bellows or Wallstrom or Hosang, you know, what is Hosang going to make? If he's up in the NHL for the whole season, he's scheduled to earn uh, $700,000. That, you know, if you can get 15 goals, let's say, on your third line, from Hosang, get 20 goals from Pajot, and then add another, let's say, 8 or 10 from Leo Kamarov or Michael Dalcol, you, you've got a situation where, you know, for your salary cap, that would probably be good enough to get the job done. Same thing with Wallstrom. You know, you're cutting down on the cost under the cap, but you might still be able to get some offensive production. Now, obviously, if you could bring in a Lanay or a Hoffman or one of those bigger named highly priced free agents, you know, maybe you move Josh Bailey down to the third line or Anthony Bavillier down to the third line or even Jordan Eberle to the second or third line. But at the end of the day, it's going to end up costing you a lot more and unquestionably an additional move would have to be made. Now, the other issue concerning all of this is that Barry Trotz tends to trust his veterans a lot more than he trusts younger players. And that's why you see a guy like Leo Kamarov constantly returning to the lineup. And look, Uncle Leo does his thing. He kills penalties well. He's physical when he needs to be. He will occasionally score the odd goal. He's popular in the locker room. But at the end of the day... You know, you have a situation where the coaching staff has difficulty trusting younger players. And I think a lot of that is related to the defense and the way you have to play defense under Barry Trotz. You have to be able to play in your own zone, and that requires physicality. And that physicality usually means you need to have strength. And if you have the strength, then, you know, usually you know, 18, 19, 20, even 21-year-olds haven't fully physically developed yet, may not have the hockey sense that an older player has, and may not have the full physical development, strength-wise, that an an older player has. So those are issues that sort of go against the idea of a younger player coming in. But I think if I had to pick I think Oliver Wallstrom is the number one candidate, followed by Hosang uh, as the number uh, two, and Kiefer Bellows as the number three, although, you know, I think Wallstrom by far has the greatest potential to be on this roster. There are some other younger players who might get a look uh, at that forward position who might be able to add a little bit of offense, but I don't necessarily think that you'll see more than one of those young players coming up and getting the job done on a regular basis. You may even see some of these guys alternate depending on how well they're playing at any given time. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll know more once we get closer to the season and training camp gets underway and we have an idea of how these players are doing. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We will be back Wednesday morning with our next episode. Again, going to three days a week uh, now, probably until 
we get closer to the regular season. Have a great day, everybody. Happy November. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.